0: Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using Muzzle Stick's big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle Stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do clearly marking a gun status, communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzlestick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners head over to muzzlestick.com that's m u z l s t i k.com today to place your order after all we all only have but one life
1: hello and welcome to the listeners of the Victor Davis Hanson show this is the friday news roundup and we look at a lot of the big stories of the day and victor will give his take on it we've got on the agenda the critiques of joe biden voting irregularities and the court cases that are being decided about them the joseph alba case and some discussion of how we might renew our culture so Hang in there. We're going to take a break for some messages, and then we'll be right back.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: Welcome back. Victor, I know I always ask you what's at the top of your mind because I, I generally myself set the agenda. So I'd like to give you a moment to air anything that you're thinking about. Did you have anything on your mind today, or should we start right in on all? Well, I'm a
3: fish out of water. I, I <laughs> swam up to on unfamiliar waters where I work at Stanford. So I'm here at the Stanford campus. I have to do some things. So I'm um, sitting in an apartment when I should be home on the farm and living a real life. But 11 weeks ago today, I got this COVID and I said it will be over in five days and it's driving me crazy. You know what drives me crazy, Sammy, is people say, I got over it in three days or you look well, you shouldn't have been over it by now or you just press on. But if you look at every little therapy I've tried, I'm really into the realm of quackery now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying every lymphatic massage on my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I, so, I,
1: actually sounds no, very nice. No, I don't
3: want to make fun of it because the people who invented it and, and practice it are very good. And, and if you're out there listening, I apologize because it, does, it really helps you clear your sinuses, lightly yeah. massaging your skin in certain ways to pull the, the lymph out. I'm taking about 10 supplements, one or two prescription drugs. I'm trying to exercise. And some days I feel I'm getting to the Cresley Hill and I push it and then I roll back. It's an autoimmune. It, that's all it is. It's my immune yeah. system won't stop poisoning. me. Yeah. You. you get kind of neuropathy and, and headaches, migraines, sinus pressure and weakness but
1: yeah well I maybe i can help. encourage you with my philosophy of the human body okay, it tends ahead. it tends towards wanting to get back to equilibrium so even though does. yeah the body okay, does so what's yeah so uh, so what's so so draining even if it's not completely back ever to equilibrium you know like i say you you had a leg operation or something it's never going <laughs> to be you. exactly this is getting
3: bad i think you better stop no,
1: it's it's oh. never going to be exactly the same but it gets back to a no. point of stasis that's no, manageable not,
3: no i'm 68 years old and i have limited time on the earth and i refuse to accept your limitation. <laughs> I am going to get my back philosophy. To,
1: of the I'm going to get back body. to 100.
3: percent My view is that it's like a locomotive and autoimmune. Yeah. And you and then I was going at full blast, and I, and I started to go off the tracks. And rather than veer back on and rest, I went on a you know 30 days of speaking and tour leading and acting. And yeah. I guess you would call that in psychological terms denial. I'm not sick. Oh, my <laughs> I can't walk across the street. I'm not sick. I'll just run across the street. I did that for 30 days. And then I got home to my familiar surroundings and I crashed. So I'm going, I'm going, but my point was I was off the one, one track, one locomotive wheel was off the track and then I was veering back on and I just kept going and then I just jumped it. Now what I have to do is kind of slowly, incrementally push it to get back on. I think you can't just lay down and do nothing. You'll lose your body mass and muscles and everything.
1: One thing that you can do while you're ill as you are is keep up with the news. So that's a good thing for us on this podcast. Yes, I have a little circle. You know, in my
3: mind, I have this like little (laughs) circle what I'm going to the last keep. You know, I'm Constantinople and I'm under siege by these all. uh, I don't want to. By these enemy Vyra uh, and antibodies. And yeah. so I've given up right now the outer keep of writing a book. I've stopped that. I was yeah. really going. And then extraneous articles I've given up. I've given up physical work on the farm. I'm down to the inner keep. And that is I'm going to do these podcasts. I'm going to do the ultra. I'm going to do my two columns. I'm going to fulfill my duties in my job. And those are the last readout.
1: Oh, okay. I,
3: I, but I've given up my auxiliary and cut back.
1: Yeah. Know? And this sounds really good because when you get back to normal, you'll have lots of free time and and you'll <laughs> be still in the keep. Right?
3: <laughs> okay. I don't know how you figure all these things, but let's go ahead. I think people all right. now yeah, expect let's... This, this weekly wine on my part. But I want to yeah. just say that I really am. This has been good for me in a weird way. I've been very empathetic to people who've said they had this and I, I, I had a very serious case of mononucleosis and it didn't quite end and it kind of had 30 years ago something like this that just went on it wasn't nearly as serious but I got over it and then I've had a mastocytosis thing that went on and I got over it and I so I, I'm confident that I can beat this but I have a lot of empathy for people who are type A personalities, and they're athletes, triathletes, and then they just get felled by COVID. Mm. And their lives have been ruined. And I, I want an answer to it. I want the government to invest in it. It, it exists. It's not It's not a part of your imagination. It's a very serious. And all of those scientific studies show that the immune system is hot-wired. I mean, it's going on full blast. That has been good for me to feel what you know like a million uh, seven million Americans are feeling right now
1: yeah so Let's though turn to the news for this week. But first, let me remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Illy Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marcia Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. He has a website at victorhanson.com with lots of great stuff on it, and you can subscribe for $5 a month or $50 a year. Come join us. You'll have lots of articles that are... Are written exclusively for subscribers. So we welcome everybody. So I wanted to start with the attacks from the left on Biden. And I I went out to round all these up. (laughs) And there are quite a few of them, but just I thought I put them in different categories. So if you do go out to look at how the left is criticizing their own, you're going to find just Democrats and leading Democrats criticizing Biden for various things. Deborah Messing, who was the star on Will and Grace, was apparently angry that she got called to the White House after the Roe versus Wade and Mm -hmm. why she had to be there because he should be taking care of things. He was ignored and shunned by candidates in primaries like Tim Ryan in Ohio. The squad, and this perhaps is kind of usual, but felt that he wasn't taking a critical enough position in Israel given what they defend The Palestinian side that they defend. Manchin demanded that they slim down Biden's economic package. Adam Schiff criticized the trip to Saudi Arabia, that he shouldn't be there at all, given the Khashoggi arrest. Texas Democrats have criticized Biden for no restrictions on oil exports. And then there are things like Biden staffers who are quitting. So Jen Psaki, Cedric Richmond, Kate bedding field and all respectively press secretary director of the office of public engagement and communications director. And I thought that was very interesting that all of them were somehow linked to how Joe communicates with the outside world. And then finally you can look at lots of polls on how voters are souring on Biden. And some of the most recent one are working class Catholics and the young are turning away from Biden, although slower than the old, which is an interesting thing. So, Victor, what well, is this? Well, this is phenomenon? nothing
3: to Remember, this is pre midterm. There's a suppressed dissension until the midterms are over. They don't want to really go after him because he's already down to near 30 or at 30 in some polls. So, if they were to really come out, it would cascade their declining prospects in the midterm elections that are coming up so we're going to hear a whole lot of it more this middle east tour that he went when he talked about honor that we <laughs> remember with honor the holocaust and the fist bump with mr solomon and he has this habit of shaking an invisible hand he turns around to shake some hand and there's nothing there and then begging the saudis to mm pump oil that we won't and then saying that they will and then they said they won't and then it was a disaster and that's going to continue it's going to continue so he's, it's going to go down so what's the left doing well now we hear about hunter biden we've mentioned that before and his laptop which i guess the agencies that haven't that had con, or the agencies or the institutions the media or the fbi or whoever has all this is leaking it now as a force multiplier. There's groups that are saying Biden don't run. I mean, formal groups. Now, this is very interesting because remember the Faustian bargain that he forged in March 2020? He was behind in the primary election races, and he was non-compos mentes on the primary candidate stage, and it didn't look like Joe Biden was going anywhere other than the rest home. And then he got to South Carolina and Mr. Clyburn was scared, silly about Elizabeth Warren and Beto and Buttigieg and the rest of them. And he said, you know what, if these guys get elected, I mean, nominated, we're going to lose the election and we're going to get Trump. And this is bad for my constituency. So I'm going to push all the African voters out for Biden. But, but we're going to sit down with that SOB and we're going to make him sign on to a hard left agenda as the price of carrying his inert body over the finish line. And that's what happened. And he kept his bargain, Sammy. He really did. So he kept his bargain and think about it. The left has always wanted to destroy the border. They destroyed the border. They destroyed it. There is no border. Three million people in a time of pandemic have come across unvaccinated and untested and unaudited. They've all, and they think that's going to flip, you know, Texas blue or Arizona blue or Georgia blue as the way it did Nevada or New Mexico or California. So they got that out of Biden. There is no border. He did not faithfully execute the laws as he swore to do that. That's an impeachable offense in my mind. Second thing is he signed on to the Soros DA. So federal prosecutors at the federal level are doing what they're doing at the state level and they're not going after people, or they're selectively going after people in January six in a way they didn't go after anybody, really, in the, the 120 days of 2020. So he signed on to the left critical legal theory. Third, he's the most identity politics absorbed president we've ever seen. No president has said, I'm going to select my vice president in advance by the color of their skin and their gender. He did that. If you look at that cabinet, they have two things in common. There's very few white heterosexual males, and there's very few people with competency and expertise. Not that they're cause and effect, but when you look at Buttigieg, he has no resume for transportation, and it shows. And you look at the energy secretary, Granholm, she's totally incompetent. Laughed as hilarious, the idea that she should pressure various companies or industries or institutions to get more oil as if she couldn't do that my point is he gave them everything on that i did the left has always said we were neo-colonialist imperialists thanks to joe biden and that precipitous withdrawal humiliating defeat giving up the billion dollar embassy the 300 million dollar refitted raglan air first war base, space and what 70 to 80 billion dollars he turned over to terrorists he made it almost impossible for the United States ever to have an expeditionary and intervention abroad, just what the left always wanted. So they won there too. He got back, he didn't get back, build back better the next 3 trillion, but he did get back the first stimulus. So he printed a couple trillion more dollars. But most importantly, ever since Stephen Chu, who was designate energy secretary during the 2008 campaign said he wanted to get prices up to European levels on gas, and Barack Obama said it, once he got rid of coal, electricity was going to cost a lot more. And they began shutting down nuclear plants and, and coal plants. They always wanted to raise energy prices. And that's what Joe Biden did. He did exactly what they told him. He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. He tabled other pipelines that were in the works. He put war off limits. He stopped all new offshore drilling. He stopped all new federal leasing. He jawboned lending institutions not to give financial support to frackers and horizontal drillers. He demonized them. And guess what? We got down about 2 million barrels less, and we didn't get up to 2 million barrels more. So it was about a 4 million barrel at a time of increased demand, and he caused an energy crisis. We call it a crisis because we're sane. They don't. They see it as a welcome transition. And then finally, inflation. The left loves inflation because it devalues the value of money. And those who have money, ill-gotten gains are losers, they think. And those that don't have money get money because there's more money to be had. So he increased the supply of money and he inflated now up to 9.1% per annum rate. My point to sum all this up is he gave the left everything they wanted. And had those agendas been sane—that that is, we had a booming economy, 1% or 2% inflation, uh, legal, merocratic measured, diverse immigration, big air force base in Central Asia, near outside Kabul. If we had all that, Biden would be popular right now. And he'd be good old Joe from Scranton. And we'd kind of (laughs) laugh. Joe shook somebody's hand that wasn't there. Well, you know, he's got 2% inflation. Or, wow, yeah. gas is only three bucks a gallon. He's doing a good job. Good old job. That's what the attitude would be.
1: Well, can I insert something here?
3: No, every, every, because I'm finishing. But okay. My point is very quickly, they are mad at the messenger, but the messenger is not the problem. He's only a force multiplier. It's the message. It's their message. So getting a younger, charismatic, glib, Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom, it's not going to work because they won't ever change the message. And that's what's ironic. And that's and so Biden's going to be on their little sacrificial altar because he's non-composmentive. Well, he's an embarrassment, and he is an embarrassment. And we're going to get rid of him, and then we're going to get an Obama-like figure to articulate in a very glib, hip-cheek new way, and we're going to love an open border, and we're going to love him. Infl- no, we're not. Now you can go on.
1: Yeah, so everything that you said right now, I would think that the Democrats would all love him. So why were all those examples I gave you were Democrats that were unhappy with Biden? Because they Dem- don't
3: want to change the agenda. They know the agenda is what is what is driving his polls down. They know in their hearts that every crackpot utopian scheme that they pushed on this empty suit mm-hmm. and he obediently obeyed Did. them. Like yeah, puppet failed and they, can't yeah, but admit that's that. their agenda. Yes, oh, so, they so can't they're, invent- they're
1: projecting their anger onto the man instead yes, of the agenda. They're saying,
3: You did it, and he's trying to say in his half witted fashion, I, I just did what you told me to do. Yeah. No, you didn't. You weren't, you blew in women's hair, you did that corn pop stick during the campaign, you called that guy boy. You forget where you are. You said repeat the line. You're a bad messenger. And mm. he said, message is no good. No, it's not. If we had Gavin doing that, or if we had Elizabeth Warren, or we had a young charismatic person like Pete Buttigieg, who's who's articulate and, and knows how to speak like an academic, that would have made the message appeal to people. That's what they believe. It's lunatic, but go for it. And yep they're going to try to get rid of him and they're going to try to substitute somebody in there in 2024 but i think because he won't change the agenda and they won't let him he's going to wreck it he's going to wreck things and i mean wreck our lives he already has i filled hey. up today in palo alto mm-hmm. at a gas station for 6 dollars and 75 cents for regular gas 675 Think about that. And I went to Safeway to buy a few little scraps, and I got a medium-sized little bag for 80 dollars. 80 People can't live like that, and he's taking us down with us, and the, the left doesn't care. It's, well, they it, must dissociate
1: their policies from the outcomes, as they you do. Pointed out:
3: Yeah, they're like Marxists, or they are <laughs> Marxists, but they're not empirical. You so mean, if you say to a leftist, we we'll look at the border, and they'll say, well, there's some temporary problems, but, you know, people are getting opportunity to come here. And they'll say, no, they're not. They have more fentanyl than we've ever had. People are dying at 100,000 people a year. They've got child traffickers bringing kids in here that have been raped. They have yeah. cartels are, are 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 wealthier and more powerful than ever. The border communities, all of their health services are overwhelmed. Their schools are overwhelmed. You, you you live in a gated estate, you know, outside of Chicago, or you live on the Upper West Side, or you're on a ranch with Gavin in Montana. You don't know what this, or you're with Nancy on the Tuscany Beach, or you're with Jerry Brown out there in Grass Valley, or you're with Nancy in her, her estates, or Zuckerberg. You don't know what it's like. And so they're out of touch because they're the party of the wealthy and the elite that are running things and are not subject the consequences of their own ideology and they think they can get a quick fix by getting this embarrassment and they're deep down they would never admit it they're embarrassed because they were the ones that said well what if you said they brought up the 25th amendment we had never heard the 25th amendment mentioned when Trump stumbled once and he said i have my buttons bigger than yours all of a sudden he's got to be impeached he has to be removed rod rosenstein and Andrew McCabe will catch him in something. Bandy Lee from Yale will declare him insane and have an intervention. He'll take the Montreal assessment. He'll flunk, that kind of stuff. And now their own words convict them because Joe Biden can't walk up and down Air Force One very well. If he took the Monterey cognitive assessment, he would completely fail every one of those. And if Bandy Lee came back and she had any integrity, the Yale psychiatrist that was in the news for about a week, she, if she was a professional and actually examined him, she would find him wanting.
1: Yeah. Victor, let's take a moment for a break and then come back to talk about some of the bad policies on the part of district attorneys who are left leaning. We'll be right
2: back after these messages.
1: Welcome back. Since we're on the things the left has been doing that are making things worse for people, and yet they don't seem to notice it. We have the recent case of Jose Alba, who was defending himself in his store, and clearly so in a video after not only defending himself, but defending himself only after he had been assaulted by the woman and the man, the bank credit cards, didn't work. So he said, put the bag of chips back. And the young man came around the side of his register and assaulted him. Well, we have the district attorney in New York, Alvin Braggs, who is going to prosecute him in spite of the clear evidence on the video and i'm just wondering what your take on it is given the chesa bundin recall and the george gascon facing a recall those two da's are have not seen this come out very well and yet he's still out there i don't get it
3: yeah i mean this was caught on tape wasn't it sammy
1: yeah
3: it wasn't some white guy with a Confederate tattoo on him, he was Hispanic immigrant who worked very hard for thirty years. He was doing his job. Somebody came in and wanted to buy a product but didn't have sufficient funds. In other words, wanted the product without the funds. And so he stopped that. In other words, he said, You can't steal. She said, I'm gonna bring back my boyfriend, who was a convicted felon for violent crime. He came in, roughed him up, sat him down, humiliated, yelled at him, and was going to hurt him. And he had physically assaulted him. And then he grabbed him. He started to fight with him. And he pulled out a knife. And to protect himself, he stabbed this fellow. And he had been stabbed himself by the guy's girlfriend. And so this crazy Soros DA then says he used undue force and set bail very high. And he was looking at 20 or 30 years in prison. But the problem was that it was caught on tape. And we all talk about these Soros DAs who favor criminals and don't believe in deterrence. And we never, I mean, we see them. We see people, like what I'm saying is we see people play the knockout game. African-American youth hit some person, usually Jewish or Asian, and they nothing happens to them, even though they're on tape. Or we see people go in and loot or just walk out with a bicycle in San Francisco after they've loaded up. But we've never quite seen... Frame by frame, a person assault a clerk like this and have the clerk finally with great patience think, I'm going to be killed unless I protect myself and then protect himself. Mm -hmm. And an older man, remember, an older man who's assaulted by a young muscular man and he killed the young muscular man in self-defense. And then he was looking at a murder charge. And that is what we used to call In popular parlance, I guess, you remember that term, jump the shark? It came from Happy Days, I think, or Henry Winkler. And remember, he was the big comic star of these sitcoms in the 70s and in the 80s. And I think it was, you know, they ran out of ideas. So he was on a, (laughs) he was, he was water skiing and he jumped over a shark, a plastic (laughs) shark. And they said, you know, this is beyond credibility. <laughs> this is just, this is just you can't go on after that. It's just something that is so out of control. Yeah. And so when you see somebody who is being assaulted and is been knifed and he's trying to protect the business, and he finally has a choice between dying and, and lashing out, and then you charge him with murder, you jump the shark. It yeah. it's on tape. So this will not stand. Mm. No, they'll, you think they'll, it... they'll have to reduce because people are outraged.
1: Yeah,
3: Eric he... Adams, the mayor, has been a big disappointment too. I mean, I know that he objected, but he has also helped set the climate in New York. Everybody looked at him and they thought, "Well, he's better than Bill De Blasio, so therefore he must be a conservative or a Giuliani, or he's not even a Michael Bloomberg." Yeah, so he's also part of the problem. The New York. Police department was the greatest police department in the world. It's mm. not; it's been hamstrung. That was one of the cleanest cities, big cities. When I went there, say right after 9-11, I used to go there a lot. I still do go there a lot. It was very clean. It was safe. I could not believe it. I had been there at eighteen years old in nineteen seventy one in Times Square. I went. I was taking a Yale summer Greek class. I was a little farm boy, and I took the train up there. And I thought I had gone into rikers or something it was scary times square but i went back there 30 years later and wow people are walking out at 10 11 at night without any worries can't yeah. do that anymore can't yeah. be in the subway anymore the subways were immaculate and stop and frisk helped african-american inner city young people be assured that there was not somebody with a gun that was going to shoot them so they everybody on the left got what they wanted and, uh, you know, I always paraphrase Tacitus, they created a desert and called it a city. Yeah, and That's what they did. And so that was so outrageous. So that will not stand.
1: Yeah, let's hope not. I want to turn then to speaking of turning things around and maybe creating some sort of change. Roger Kimball, who um, is the editor of The New Criterion, had a piece in the Epoch Times today. Um, called uh that was looking for cultural renewal uh, i think the title was actually breaking our addiction to prestige but he was looking at a speech by barry weiss that she gave to the, um grad graduates at the yes. university of austin the new, was- the new
3: contrarian university that tries to restore traditional intellectual and moral values.
1: And it was on how to be founders. So she was trying to encourage and talk to these students to be new founders, right? uh, Along the lines of the founding fathers. And so she was telling them things like, you know, you want to reject politics of resentment, the rule of law, reject or defend the rule of law, defend freedom of speech and yada, yada. And those things are expected. But one thing she said was that you need to break your with our addiction to prestige, prestigious universities, prestigious media outlets, and those type of things, and I thought that was a very interesting thing. That would be a great, great move on the part of
3: it would. people,
1: but it's that's a very hard thing to break. That whole well, drive. it's like
3: it would be as if you drive around in a Lexus or a Mercedes. And then somebody comes up to you and says, this Honda Accord or this Toyota Camry runs just as well. It's more reliable or just as reliable. It has fewer labor expenses when you have it worked on. And the interior is almost identical. And you say, but it's not a Lexus. It's not a Mercedes. And when I get an Lexus and Mercedes, people turn their heads and they see that as a confirmation of my success. So that's what a Stanford or Yale or Harvard or Princeton, let's be clear about it. Nobody privately at those universities believe they are really giving a rigorous education. None. I go to those universities. I've talked to people there. Everybody knows it's woke and 30% of their time is commissariat stuff. It's wokeness and the admissions are not meritocratic. And the advancement and hiring of faculty is not meritocratic. But as long as the alumni, as she's pointing out, just write these blank checks and get buildings named after them, or more importantly, I mean, there is an informal price tag, isn't there? No university admissions officer or development officer is going to admit it, but it's somewhere around seven to $15 million per head. That means if your child is a straight A student and he's a white male, and he's got top SAT scores. He's not going to get into Princeton, Yale, or Stanford under this new uh, paradigm. But he is going to get in if his dad calls up and says, I'll give 10 million bucks. Yeah. And that's, and why would the debt? so your question is, why would a father do that when he knows in his heart that if he sent his child to St. John's or especially Hillsdale College or St. T- Thomas Aquinas, he would get a much better education. He would get a. They have a whole another social life. He would meet faculty that were concerned about learning. They were empirical. They were inductive. They wouldn't be deductive activists. Yeah. So he knows that, but he he also would say this to me, "Yeah, Victor." And then he gets a BA from Hillsdale or Saint Thomas Aquinas. How am I going to get him into Stanford Business School, or how are they going to get into Yale Law School? And that's the problem and that's yeah. what she's trying to address we all each according to our station have to attack this bankrupt idea of prestige
1: she and herself did didn't she she um the new york
3: times quit con- yeah didn't but and she quit that was her that was her cachet and now she's at substack we all have to do that and yeah. any of us that are associated with these universities have to inform people the truth about them yeah. and i've tried to do that about stanford university stanford university with all due respect, is not the university that I went to in 1975 as a graduate student. It's not the, um, it's not the university that four members of my family went to as undergraduates and two went, three went to graduate school. It's not that university. It's yeah. completely different. I know the curriculum and the classics graduate program, it's not the same. And I know I've looked at the undergraduate curriculum. It's not the same. Yeah, It's not the same. And I looked at the Western Civ and the history courses. They're not the same. They're much, 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 much easier. And that's very important for people to realize that when we say woke, we don't mean just politically and ideologically intolerant and agenda driven, but we also mean easy, easy, easy.
1: All right. So I want to turn next to There's a lot of questions there that I would love to ask, but it would be for a much longer conversation Um, because it seems I I started thinking, well, do people go to trade school and give up completely the university? Well, they're doing half Um,
3: of more than half of Americans. And we said earlier in a a podcast that a million people are projected not to enroll in universities that have in the
1: past. Oh, wow.
3: And 70% of those are white male.
1: And this and then the second thing I was thinking, well this wokeness is a really extensive web because these universities will compromise uh, federal funding if they don't do some of the woke things that they've been doing. you know so the web is beyond their faculty and their administration and the schools that produce the administration I think they're it's worried, into the government.
3: Though, I think they're worried because they are going to get a Republican majority in the House. And they're probably going to get a Republican, not a supermajority, but a majority in the Senate. And these guys have learned, I think, finally, that you play by the markers of Queensbury rules, you lose. And the left are, are not Democrats. They're revolutionaries, Jacobin, French revolutionary. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to start addressing the root causes, not the symptom. You know, you can take an antihistamine and that will stop Some of your symptoms, but you've got to find out why you are secreting so much histamine. You can talk about all these things, but the fact of the matter is, you've got to look very hard at things like tenure. You've got to look very hard at things like violations of the Civil Rights Act by separate graduations or separate dorms. You've got to look like why. The federal government is involved in the student loan subsidy business. You've got to look why these $30, $40, $50 billion dollar endowments are tax-free. They should not be. Yeah. And that is the structural task that we have. And I think that Republicans will finally see that when they want to look at where the lunacy comes from, the School of Education, K-12, through Virginia School, ultimately they come from people in the university that are teaching teachers. And so that has to be addressed.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's take a break and then come right back and talk about social media for a
2: moment. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of
1: virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
2: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com metaverseimpact metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting.
1: We're back, and Victor, I've been wanting to ask you on the podcast for a few weeks now about social media, and I think this week I was thinking, well, okay, we have Elon Musk who has stepped back from his bid to buy Twitter, and of course they're angry about that, but I think when he stepped into it, he really exposed things about the social media platform beyond the algorithms which we're all rightly concerned about one thing that i noticed was that he really questioned how many of twitter users are actually just robots i guess they call them bots and i i say this because i work on your website and with your social media and i noticed that it says on Twitter that you have 200,000 followers mm-hmm. and a follower should be somebody who's really interested in what you do and say. And yet when we post your articles onto your Twitter account on any given day, it doesn't bring in more than 800. And there's other sources methods by which we bring in a lot more people than that. And so I, I, I'm admiring I thought you that to was...
3: tell you're telling 40,000 people right now that, my pseudo popularity is pseudo.
1: No, everybody's popularity popularity on Twitter is pseudo is what I'm trying
3: to say. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I've never written a tweet of my own. I've had Jack Fowler write them and people at Hoover wrote them just, you know, notifications of articles that have been on. So I'm ignorant on that particular question. But I think that Elon Musk has sort of ruined his reputation, but he'll win the legal case is what I'm getting at. He might have to pay a billion dollars, but that's a lot less than losing 10 or 15 billion on this collapsed stock price. Yeah, I have a good interview that'll come out, I guess almost the same time as this with Devin Nunes that you helped uh, produce, Sammy, and we talked at length about Truth social and, and the pump social platforms versus Twitter and Facebook and others. And it was very informative for me, but yeah, that's another cesspool like the university. And they get away with things that are yeah. just incredible. I mean, that money generated, one way of looking at Mark Zuckerberg, he used $420 million in dark money and flooded particular pre-selected precincts to absorb the work of the registrars to warp basically the way people ballot it. And that was if not illegal, it, it won't be repeated again. Because if you were to repeat what Mark Zuckerberg, that is you had every right wing and left wing billionaire flooding money, not for a particular candidate or a particular agenda, but to change the way people vote by either getting out or repressing the vote or adding boxes that were not authorized for people to drop, in, they, you would have no ballot. He was the most subversive person you can imagine. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, read Molly Ball's Time essay where she gussed and bragged about how wonderful it was that the left was able to modulate the protest on the street, to quiet them down before the election, to use this money from Silicon Valley to warp Valley laws, to change them. She called it a conspiracy, her words, not mine.
1: Yeah, that brings me to... Uh... Article by John Solomon on the voting irregularities in the 2020 election. He he went in and looked at all of the cases brought against, especially in Wisconsin, Georgia, and um, some of it, it was in Texas. And the cases that have been decided that basically that there were irregularities. I mean, that's what the upshot of the cases were and and a lot of it had to do with illegal drop boxes but uh ballot harvesting and then also zuckerberg's funded center for tech and civil life where they were basically paying uh election officials to for activism get out the vote activism and i think that that's illegal you 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 can't be a federal or a state um, uh, of in state states. office and and be an activist for in and the there, election. You
3: can't be. You have to be a U.S. citizen to be employed in a campaign. You can make the argument that Christopher Steele was paid by Hillary Clinton, basically as a campaign asset, and he was not a U.S. citizen. Yeah. So and so there were all kinds of violations that we don't do it. I there is no rule of law, but we need if. The next Republican president should get a commission, and they sh- a solid conservatives, and look at all of these uh, glaring irregularities and unlawful activity, and then have a whole set of reform and push yeah. it through. Push it through.
1: Yeah, I think that's what Solomon's um, article at in just at just the news. Yeah, uh, well, he was really he convinces- had a good
3: point there that he looked specifically at the Wisconsin Attorney General who uh, a retired Supreme Court justice was the head of a commission that we were talking about. And he looked at the violations, and he was astounded. And yeah. that in that particular state, I think you could make an argument that it affected the final tally, because uh-huh. there were names that uh, were not registered that were on ballots. There were names that didn't match. There were incomplete names. There were ballots without addresses. There were ballots that were put in unauthorized boxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And in those particular pre-selected states, a Michigan, a Pennsylvania, a Wisconsin, it mattered.
1: Yeah, Arizona Arizona too. and Georgia yeah. as well. Yeah, on, the, on all three of those states. It's too bad that
3: Trump... Used a shotgun rather than a rifle in targeting the problem, and by that I mean he got into the Kraken and, and Sidney Powell and Linwood and communicating with China, all of these crazy things. Where if he had just focused on these laws were changed that had been passed by the legislature through big money, and not always just in through you know court rulings, but more importantly through institutional or bureaucratic edicts that, and they were probably illegal to do that. And they did it under the cover of COVID. And and then when you got, as I keep saying and ad nauseum, when you get up to 102 million non-election day ballots and the error rate goes from a typical 5% down to 0.3 or 0.4 in most states, then that's a magnitude of 10. And when you, and so you're talking about, millions of votes on a normal election that would have been thrown out
1: yeah all right victor i think our time's up thank you very much for all your wisdom today i hope everybody will come to victor's website and join us at victorhanson.com and thanks to the listeners today as well
3: and thank everybody for listening